0: Hey guys, this is Mike, and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. Today I'm going to answer some questions uh, that I've gotten from listeners over the past several days. Uh, So I'm just going to dive right in. Sabrina uh, asked me uh, if I could share examples of how uh, your view of the world and how the world treats you shift when you move into and dwell in your ideal state. Okay, I've mentioned this before. Um, Just recently, I had a quote from Neville about this particular thing. And I'm going to use a different quote today. In fact, I'll just get right to the quote first, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. This is from his 1951 radio talk, The Law of Assumption. You will know when you've succeeded in fixing the desired state of consciousness simply by looking mentally at the people you know. This is a wonderful check on yourself as your mental conversations are more revealing than your physical conversations are. If your mental conversations with others, uh, or if in your mental conversations with others, you talk to them as you formerly did, then you have not changed your concept of self for all changes of concept of self result in a changed relationship to the world. Okay, so my take on this is like i mentioned before when um, once you've imagined you know you've done whether you've you know, you've imagined a scene that implies your wish fulfilled or you've asked yourself how would i feel if i were already this so we're we're talking about after that you know whatever you did to feel the reality of your wish fulfilled now you're it's post that it's after that And Neville's talking about these automatic conversations you have with people. In the other quote that I used, he mentions that our mental conversations we have come about automatically when we think about them or hear their name or anything that reminds us of different people in our lives. We automatically have these reactions and conversations with them mentally. And that is a great way to see what state we're in. Here's a couple of examples. So um, I've imagined financial freedom. Okay, done. Did, now I'm going through my day doing my best to stay in that state, to you know, frequently getting back into that state of my wish fulfilled. And then later in the afternoon I get a text from Kim saying she's on her way home and my automatic conversation with her is hearing her voice. Uh, getting mad at me, getting angry with me for spending too much money at uh, the grocery store. Or I uh, see the text that she's on her way home and I automatically have this moment of pity and where I see her sad face that we're broke, that you know I'm having to tell her that we're broke or that uh, the cost of gasoline went up. Whatever these automatic conversations you have with people. That's one example. And... Uh, connected to, uh, or contrasted with rather, uh, the physical conversation. So like, let's say Kim comes home. I'm having this mental conversation with her. I know she's upset. I know she's going to be upset. And I've imagined this conversation with her already about her reaction. She's going to be sad or angry at me over money. But when I see her face physically, I smile, I grin and, you know, fake it. Oh, no, babe, we're good. Hey, no, everything's great. I'm blessed. We're blessed. You're blessed. Hallelujah. Ah, everything's wonderful. No, no, everything's good. But all along, my insides are in turmoil because I'm imagining I'm worrying and doubting. Uh, that's my take on what Neville's talking about, between you know, the difference between our mental conversations, which are truer than our physical conversations with the same people. Let's say you've imagined something, maybe a promotion or some better circumstances at your job, and then your boss knocks on your door. You're, you know, it's mid mid morning. You've got all of Monday to go through still, and you get a tap on your door. Hey, Sue, come see me before you leave today. What is your automatic mental conversation you're having with your boss? Is it over? You know, is he going to give you bad news? Or are you? having this conversation where you're having to defend yourself or call him a chump or he, hear him you know, giving you uh, a write-up, all these things going on in your mind. What is your mental conversation with that boss? Your mental conversation would be completely different if you're dwelling in a different state of consciousness. Not necessarily a better state, but a different state of consciousness. Maybe you, you know, you're in a really crappy state that you fell into, or maybe you jumped right into it willingly. And so you've got this nasty mental conversation going on with your boss as soon as you hear his name or her name. But if you're dwelling in this new state of your wish fulfilled, where you're succeeding in business, you've got this promotion, you've already gotten this promotion, you know, whatever this lovely thing is relating to your work, Your mental conversation, if you're truly dwelling in that state, will be different, completely different, and your reaction will be completely different. Your mental uh, automatic reaction will be different at the sound of your boss's voice. I I think I answered the question. Sabrina, let me know if that wasn't good enough. All right, question number two. Uh, Sabrina wanted to talk about. Imagining lovingly for people. And in my last episode, Voices in My Head, I mentioned being in the store behind some folks buying lottery tickets and, and how I imagined lovingly for them. And she wanted to know specifically what did I do, what did I imagine for them in particular. Well, Okay, well, these particular people I see every couple of days at the grocery store or at the convenience store, uh, and they're spending a lot of money, like they'll spend a hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars a shot, buying scratch-off tickets and lottery, uh, you know, Mega Millions numbers. And I can t- see them all the time. And when I, I see them, and they they seem very tired and exhausted and just worn out, not smiling. They seem desperate. And so standing behind them in the store, I just Imagine seeing their smiling face, their face lit up, radiant. Now, not truly with a light around them, you know, with angels singing, but seeing them happy, standing up straight, full of life, maybe a bounce in their step and just chatting happily with the clerk. It's just a moment of seeing them differently, and then I let it go, and uh I don't always, you know, I don't stop and imagine uh, lovingly for everybody I see, but it, I do often, whether it's at the store or I see somebody asking for money on the street corner or somebody that seems to have it going on, somebody that's really rocking it. I imagine lovingly for them too, that they're rocking it even more, that there's more good news. And anytime I hear from uh, any of you, whether it's a message or a question or a story you want to share with me, I I tell you I'm imagining lovingly for you in the emails when we correspond, and I do. I, As I'm typing it to you, I'm imagining lovingly for you, and not necessarily just for the specific thing you've asked. I imagine you thriving, full of life, and I imagine... Reading your success stories that you've emailed me or messaged me, or that you've posted in some other group. Sometimes I'll, uh, when you've we're talking about things, I'll imagine sharing your story on a podcast episode. So throughout the day, as I come across people, if I, if it comes up, I do imagine lovingly for them. I don't you know there was a moment i don't know if you saw this movie shazam the new movie that came out it's kind of a kid movie but it was funny where uh, billy batson the character billy batson becomes shazam Uh, can't call it captain marvel because of copyright issues but that's what he was originally anyway uh, so the superhero is walking with his buddy the kid uh, this other boy through the store and he's zapping, he's like, your phone's charged, your phone's charged. He's zapping all their cell phones with his uh, sparkly fingers, you know, <laughs> your phone's charged and your phone's charged. Uh, that's not what I do. I don't walk around, you know, I'm imagining for you. I'm imagining for you. No, it's just, it's a settle and as silent as anytime you see somebody in the store, what are you thinking about them? What's your, that moment, an automatic moment of judgment when you notice people. And you may go through the store and not notice anybody, but I guarantee you right now with social distancing, your eyes are on everybody, aren't, aren't they? You're making sure there's that six feet distance between you. So you're highly aware, acutely aware of your surroundings when you get out right now. So this would be a great time since you're paying attention to folks to how far away they are from you, imagine lovingly for them, just in a moment, just in an instant, see them smiling or see them without their mask on, happy, not stressed out and worrying about what's going on. Neville talks about imagining lovingly for people all the time and uh, well, since there is only one, we are all one. This oneness of everything. When you're imagining lovingly, imagining lovingly for any seeming other, you're imagining for yourself, because there is only one. Uh, and when you're making a negative judgment on somebody you see in the store, or you see the guy with the cardboard sign on the street corner, I'm not saying you have to pull out cash and give it to him. I. I don't do that, I rarely do, sometimes I do, but I don't uh, do it without imagining and lovingly for them first. But what do you do when you see folks like that asking for money or somebody that's sick or in politics, anything? Think of the things, you have these snap judgments of people. You are imagining for them right there. You're doing the same thing, just not very loving. So we're constantly moving in imagination, reacting to people and judging people, good, bad, and uh, neutral. Although, I mean, it's rare that you have a neutral, you know, feeling for somebody, maybe when you're going through the, you know, through the grocery store or something. But generally, in my experience, there's, we have mostly positive or negative responses or judgments of people. So we're constantly imagining for them already. So Neville's talking about doing it lovingly, intentionally, changing those automatic judgments and imaginings and imagining something wonderful for them. You don't have to spell it out because you have no one to convey this to. You're not conveying this to the universe. You're not conveying this to the seeming other person that you're looking at. You don't have to say anything. You can just imagine their smiling face, Imagine something that implies that they're doing well, that they're thriving. Or just imagine love. Just see them and have this love in your heart for them. Everything you're doing is an imaginal act. So this is not a hard thing. I used to think imagining lovingly for people was tiresome. Wow, geez, I gotta do that, that's all day long. But you're doing it all the time anyway. You're making these little snap judgments. So be more aware of what you're thinking and feeling about people and how you're reacting to them by the color of their skin. Or you see someone that's in raggedy clothes, someone in a wheelchair, or an elderly person hunched over. You know, Their back is so bent forward, it's so difficult to walk, and they're making their way through the store with their walker, just a moment, imagine them standing upright, walking without the aid of a, of a walker, whatever, you do it, you decide what is loving for them, and the quote I'm going to use is, uh, and the, you could do a word search or a phrase search in, if you have Neville's lectures on your Kindle or in PDF form, like, on Google Drive, wherever you have it, if you have it electronically, just do a search for Imagine Imagine Lovingly, and you'll see Neville talks about it all the time. So here's the quote from the lecture, He is Dreaming Now. Every child born of woman has that being within that child. The true identity of the child is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God the Father. But while we are here in the world of Caesar, <coughs> excuse me, Caesar, exercise the talent that he gave us. He gave us himself. The talent is to exercise your imagination lovingly on behalf of others, on behalf of, of yourself. Don't neglect yourself, but certainly on behalf of others. Anytime you exercise your imagination lovingly on behalf of others, You have literally mediated God to that other, and he's got other in quotes. Well, God was your own wonderful human imagination, and so when you begin to imagine lovingly or lovely things about another, and you become persuaded that the thing imagined is true, you have mediated God to another. I'm going to reread some of that quote. The talent is to exercise your imagination lovingly on behalf of others, on behalf of yourself. Don't neglect yourself, but certainly on behalf of others. Anytime you exercise your imagination lovingly on behalf of another, you have literally mediated God to that other. Well, God was your own wonderful human imagination. And so when you begin to imagine lovely things about another and you become persuaded that that the thing imagined is true, you have mediated God to another. So since we're imagining things about people all the time, seeming others, you can't escape your imagination. Why not do it lovingly, intentionally, lovingly? Because you're mediating God to that seeming other. This question from Sabrina actually moves into a Uh, what I talked with someone else about. I didn't ask uh, this other person if I could use her name, so I won't. But we talked about imagining for others. You you imagine a loved one who is very sick, has a terminal disease, but you've imagined them healed, but then they die. And, And I've talked about this with other people too. Does that mean I failed? When I've imagined seeing them healthy and whole, that I mess it up, I wasn't successful. First of all, uh, like Neville says, you're mediating God to others, so we should always be imagining lovingly for others, and I don't. But I don't see that as a failure because there is no death. The death. Uh, Neville teaches that death spoken of in the Bible is this. Look around you. (laughs) That's what the Bible's talking about, where God fragmented and fell, crucified himself or itself to the form of man into this world of death. This is death. This is hell. But to say someone ends, you know, when they're gone from this Little span of time, they're not gone for for real. We just can't, you know, play with them right now. Share our day to day with them. But it's certainly not a failure if you've imagined someone healthy and whole, and then they still die. Because your divine purpose, Neville says, in believe it in the lecture, believe it in. We are here in the world of experience for a divine purpose, to know imagination. So the whole point, the whole reason we're here, Neville says, is to awaken from this forgetfulness where we thought we were separate and small, separate from God. And we do this by using this creative power within us, God, Jesus Christ, imagination, And so the whole purpose is to awaken to that and to continue lovingly imagining for ourselves and for others because that's who we really are and we awaken this Christ within us and we awaken to who we really are. So of course, once you know who you really are, there's no question you want to imagine lovingly for everyone. You want to imagine everyone healthy and whole Neville also talks about how this world is a play. He talks about, uh, well, he he uses this example quite often, but in the lecture Pre-Existence, he talks about it as well, where the play Hamlet has been done hundreds of times. And the script is always the same, but the actors come in and they do it a little, they put their spin on it with their voice, but... Just like in life, the actors enter on, on time, and they exit on time. We do the same. Neville says we enter on cue, and we exit on cue. So there should be no condemnation of self or beating yourself up if you've imagined someone healthy and whole, and they still leave. They still shed this garment. They're not truly gone. And never can be. And I know the person that talked to me about this, she knows. She knows the, the truth because she kind of answered her own question in our email back and forth. But I want to encourage her that not to think she failed or that she didn't feel it real enough. Because our purpose, our only purpose, Neville says, is to know imagination, to know who we really are, and we do that by the continual use, intentional use of our imagination for ourselves and for others. You can radically change the direction your life has been taken, taking. So even if you, let's say you, you've imagined someone, or you've imagined for yourself financial freedom or some Maybe you've imagined yourself accepting an Oscar, an Academy Award. You've put yourself on stage and you've got the Oscar in your, in your hand. And you're thanking the audience. That, I don't know where that example came from, but let's say you've done that, but then you have a heart attack tomorrow and you leave, you shed this garment. Your imagining doesn't stop and the result of your imagination doesn't stop. Get over the idea of this being the end. This is not the end. This is just one one turn of this wheel of recurrence that Neville calls life. So whatever you've imagined for others and for yourself continues. Don't ever doubt that it stops with death, with what we call death. Okay, last question. Uh, bridge of incidents. We, uh, I talk about this quite often with folks. And I usually don't, I don't concern myself uh, with you know, a bridge of incident. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, Neville uses that term quite often. He says, once you've successfully moved into this new state, you've imagined yourself into a new state of mind. You're dwelling in this new state that you will be brought, that this divine imagination will build a bridge of incidents and carry you across. You will be compelled to cross this bridge of events to the fruition of your desire. And what my take on that is that it, what it's the how. Whatever needs to happen is going to happen to get you to that point of the external realization of your wish fulfilled. If you're Maintaining, dwelling in that new state of mind, seeing the world from this new state. Everything that happens to you and for you is part of this bridge of events, bringing you to the fulfillment of that desire. But I usually don't, you know, spend my days, I don't, thinking about is this part of the bridge or is that part of the bridge for a number of reasons. Um, the main one is because. I have so many desires. Not just one big one. I have so many throughout the day. And so I don't I, I don't see how I could spend my day, you know, checking, okay, well, is this red light part of a bridge of events? And which, which bridge is this for? Is this for, you know, a delicious meal? Or is this for half price coffee? I, I don't overanalyze it. And you shouldn't either. For me, when I start, paying attention and wondering, uh, oh, is this part of the bridge? Just just the way that works for me, it becomes me looking for signs that I'm on the right track. And signs never precede. Certainly things show up that will confirm my state of consciousness because everything comes out of your state of mind, your state of being. So all of these confirmations of my state come about throughout my day because I'm dwelling in this new state. But, and when I do think of uh, things happening, I do, I don't always ignore. um, I didn't mean that I never pay attention to what's going on around me. I will come up with a question sometimes like, well, I wonder if this is part of my bridge of events for a particular thing. Sometimes something happens that's directly connected with what you've imagined, right? And so when I do think about it and I start to wonder, I catch myself and just assume that it is. I just assume it is part of my bridge of incidents and I carry on. So don't be concerned about things, you know, is this part of the bridge? If it's not your fulfilled desire, complete, then it's not the end. It is just part of how you're getting from point A, lacking that wish or just the desire of it, and point B, the fulfillment of that desire. So don't be concerned. But it is fun to notice after the fact. I love doing that. Something will happen, and I'll look back and see all these wonderful events that happened. I've talked about this before, how... Uh, It started with a live call. Well, let me go back. It started with me being in radio for years and then being out of it after I'd gotten sick and then getting on a live call with uh, 2020, Victoria, uh, the Maxwells and all the wonderful people down in uh, Australia and all over the world that were on this live call. It all started with that one day when 2020 uh, surprised me when we got on the call and tossed it to me. He said, Mike, go ahead. He let me do the whole intro thing with no warning whatsoever. But that stirred up things within me. And I'm not going to get back to that whole story, but there's a beautiful bridge of events, all these wonderful little happenings that got me to the point of starting feeling twisty. And so, yeah, I do notice. It's fun noticing bridges, but it's just it's just for fun to notice how things connected and got me to where I wanted to go. Neville says over and over that you'll see, once you have uh, externalized, you're experiencing in the physical what you've already imagined. You know, your wish is fulfilled. You'll look back and more times than not, you'll think, wow, that was, it happened so naturally. So naturally that you might even be tempted to think you had nothing to do with it. But I assure you, you do, you did and you will. You always do. Check out my episode, Did I Do That? That's another good one where I talk about this. So don't be concerned uh, if something's a bridge. If it's not your fulfilled desire, then know that or you could certainly just assume that it's part of the bridge, that everything's still working out perfectly because you're dwelling in this new state of mind, the state of your wish fulfilled. But if there's something that pops up and it really sticks in your craw, you don't you know you don't want it, well don't accept it. You're not gonna mess up your bridge, you're not gonna mess anything up if something springs up, you don't have to diagnose it. You don't have to determine, okay, is this a bridge or is this my end? Everything you're experiencing comes from your imagination. So there's no need to question it. If it's something you don't like, you'd rather something else. If it's good news, but you'd rather better news or it's something awful, don't accept it. You never have to accept anything that you're experiencing because that's only coming from your imagination. So revise if you need to revise or just choose to not accept that. That that means nothing. Give no meaning to whatever that was and go back to living your life. No need to analyze it and worry about If this is part of the end, is this part of the bridge? Well, if it's not, if you don't recognize it as the fulfillment of your wish, then of course it's not the end. And if you're, for me, when, you know, if I start to worry about something and and it's really bothering me and I start thinking, was this part of how things are going to work out? I can still change that right there. I don't have to accept that. It's not going to mess up the fulfillment of that other desire. You have at every moment the opportunity to change what you're experiencing. So don't get hung up on whether something's part of the bridge of events or the fulfillment of your desire, because you'll know it. You, when your desire is fulfilled, there's no doubt, it's done. And that's how you should already be living. You should already be dwelling in that state, seeing the world, mental conversations with yourself and with others, your external conversations with yourself and others, how you react to events of the day, reacting to circumstances. All of these things will indicate to you whether you're in that desired state or whether you're not. All right, guys, shoot me some more emails. Ask me your questions. Tell me your stories. Feelingtwisty at gmail.com. I love you guys. This is Feeling Twisty.